Most conversations that are happening, especially early in your career, most conversations that are happening about you don't involve you. Most conversations that impact your career, decisions that are being made that have an impact on your career are ones that you will never hear unless you actively seek them out. People say, so power move to give feedback. No, it's not. It's a power move to ask for it. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us. But this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another episode. Today I have for you Scott Ensign, who is the Chief Strategy Officer over at Butler Till. Now, if you're not familiar with it, they are a marketing and media agency. And Scott has a proven track record of leading marketing and media strategy for some of North America's largest brands, especially in the financial services and healthcare sectors. Scott, welcome to lead the team. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So let's go right for it. Question here, when's the time you made a mistake in your career and what did you learn from it? All right, getting right to it. Well, I've made a couple, I think, if I look back in my career. <laughs> just a couple. Uh, just a couple. You know, when I I think back on ones that I've specifically learned from and that have stuck with me, I remember this was earlier in my my career, which has which has spanned a couple of decades at this point. And um, I was an account director at the time. I've been on the agency side for most almost all of my career, and I've done all kinds of work. Uh, across the agency kind of value chain from account mm-hmm. to strategy to media and leading large teams and then you know leadership positions as well. And this is back when I was an account director and I was in a meeting with a large client. It was a strategic client that we had just started working with on some services that were kind of new and it was a tough client as clients often are. And I was in a meeting because this was such an important client. I was in a meeting with my boss, but also with the CEO of the agency. And this is when I was an account director. So that was kind of a big deal. And I was interested in, uh, you know, making a good impression, which as as you'll hear 
was, didn't exactly go that way. And so the, the client was giving us, was not happy about something. And they were giving us, uh, kind of reading us the riot act about the fact that they didn't feel that we were providing them enough strategy in the work that we were doing for them specifically. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was probably the most junior person in the room at the time. And I was terrified to participate in this conversation because of who was in the room with me, both on the client side and um, the, the people in my organization up to and including the CEO. And so I knew and was thinking in the moment, I know that we have done all kinds of strategy work for this client. Like what, what she's saying, mm -hmm. the client is saying is, is incorrect. And mm -hmm. we had in fact pro bono gone out of our way to do some strategy work on their behalf that they weren't even paying us for. And we had delivered this whole strategy to them. And I mean, to the point where there was a document that we had created for them and delivered to them that was called strategy. So I knew that we were getting really raked over the coals for something that wasn't accurate. Mm -hmm. But I clammed up. I did not say a word. And I knew, and they and we continued to kind of really take it on the chin in this meeting. So after the meeting, I, just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was perseverating on it that I, I knew that I had screwed up and put us in a bad position because I just wasn't confident enough, given the audience and the stakes to yeah, make sense. And so I went to my boss ultimately and said, you know, this is what happened. And he's like that. I, I hear you. That makes sense. I knew he was going to talk to the CEO about it. So I'm sitting at my desk on a Friday afternoon, not long after this, and I get a phone call from the CEO. And he really uh, gives me some direct and specific feedback about what should have happened there. And just that that is the occasion, especially if you want to, if you aspire to be in a leadership position, mm. you've got to be willing and able to use your voice in those critical situations. And I had the answer. I mean, that was the thing that, like I said, I had perseverated on it for so long is because I knew, I knew the answer in the moment and had it at the oh. ready and just wasn't at a place in my development and my career to use it. So that's something that, um, and, and those who know me now know that that would never be something I would do today <laughs> because I, I learned from that situation. You learned that lesson so deeply. Yes. And it's, it's speaking it's, up as part of who you are now. It is visceral. In fact, I'm known for the opposite <laughs> at this point. Well, it goes to show, though, I mean, it's the dynamics at play there. Because I, I suspect in the moment it was about you, but also is about the dynamic with the client and with the administrative group. For whatever reason, you didn't feel comfortable speaking up and challenging a customer in front of their leaders and your leaders. And that's understandable. But ideally, I think in a culture that we'd like to create in our company, you would feel that comfort level and not have Absolutely. to mount this insurmountable inner lion. Yes. No, and you, I mean, you hit yeah. on it there. That's a big part of the lesson is not only a personal lesson for me and my development, but understanding that like that, that's the answer as the C if I were the CEO of that agency in that situation, what I want is for that answer to come out in the moment. And so creating environments on, on the teams that I've yeah. led ever since where people feel, as you said, empowered, safe, 
And in fact, encouraged to use their voice in that way is something that, you know, again, I think about all the time. Yeah, I love it. You can experience this like a Pixar movie on two different levels. So for <laughs> the individual, for us, for ourselves, there's value in sharing knowledge in the moment, even if it's difficult. And a yeah. lot of that is also how you present it. Like, you know what? That's an interesting point. Here's the strategy that we provided. That may not be the kind of strategy you want to see. Right. Okay. But we but we went there. Yeah. You know, we we made a good effort. We just didn't ignore it. And by the way, we did it for free. Yes. Don't you love <laughs> us now? But I, I think early in my career, that I would have probably been in your position, right? Us clammed up and say, well, let's just see where all this goes. <laughs> um, thinking now that you've been on the now you're on the other side, talked about, hey, I'm the CEO or you're the, the the CSO right now. How are you thinking about fostering this kind of culture where someone would feel comfortable speaking up in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, Butler Till is a unique culture in a very different place from any place that I've worked in my career. And so the the leadership team here is very much focused on doing exactly that. So I mean, one of the things that's unique about our agency is that we're 100% employee owned. So all of our employees are owners of the agency. All of our owners are employees. So we don't have any outside ownership. It's a complete employee stock ownership plan set up 100% employee. Congratulations. Owned. That's going to be a you. good vibe because everyone <laughs> benefits. You guys make money. You improve the bottom line. It That's goes right. back to all the employees. You're working for the people sitting to either side of you. You're working for yourself. I mean, it can't help but have a really positive impact on the culture. There's no outside entity or even small group of people that you're enriching with all of the effort that you're putting in. So that's been a really important part of our culture. And it makes people feel empowered to use their voice just naturally because you literally have have a stake in the outcomes of the work that you're doing, not in just a kind of esoteric career sense, like I want to do this because it's going to help my career, hopefully, and hopefully someone will notice. No, but literally, if I am able to improve outcomes for our clients, mm -hmm. therefore outcomes for Butler Till, I am going to materially benefit from that because I'm an owner of the company, regardless of your position. So that has helped us to create that environment. And then we've really leaned into that as a leadership team, as an agency, um, to create an environment where people have psychological safety to offer feedback, to speak their yeah. minds, to participate. Oh, I love that. It it takes care of a lot of it takes care of a lot of explanations and conversations around why it's important that we speak up. It really does. And it allows for things like transparency. Because we are employee owned, everyone knows what's going on financially in the organization. For example, we have an external board, we have an external trustee, all of that stuff is handled in Mm -hmm. completely transparent and by the by the book type of way it has to be so that allows that allows people to feel informed and empowered really with everything that they're doing love it yeah it's amazing what happens when the people that work there own the business themselves you right. have to say hey imagine you're a ceo to run this like your own company what would you do you're like no you are the ceo of your group and you do own the company. Yep. So take actions 
in alignment with that. Exactly. In the story. Do you find that when people like when you hire people in and they are not from the employee owned company world, mm -hmm. uh, that they struggle to make that shift or is it pretty serious? Sure. In some cases that there, there can be struggles. I would say for the most point, there's just a little bit of a learning curve because it really does, as I said, it creates a different culture. And if you come from a culture that is not like that at all, it does take a little bit of time. And frankly, you know, I've been at Butler Till for just over five years. Mm -hmm. um, so even for me, it took a little time to get used to what impacts that has on the culture, what has what it has on the kind of expectations of people yep. here. I wasn't used to working at a place where people felt so free to transparently share their feedback and to speak up. And it was a little bit shocking for me, like, wow, <laughs> you're going to you would that's something that you would feel free to. That's something that I even in some yeah management or leadership positions wouldn't have felt free to share in other places. Um, but, cool. but there's I, a, what a distinction. It, it absolutely is. And of course we, we trade on that. We use it. It's a, it's a great tool in hiring and recruiting. And it's something that, you know, almost, almost no other agency especially can say. So, so there's no other agency to your knowledge that's employee owned. There are some that are a few, okay. it's just a very nice. small group. I mean, if you looked at the entire pie, I don't have a statistic on it, but I mean, it would be a rounding error of agencies small. that are, that are. Yeah. So how does that to... reach the client? So you, you guys have some big brands as your clients. We do. How do you approach your work and approach them differently because you're employee owned versus if you weren't? Yeah. And we, we talk about that in terms of aligning incentives. And so yeah. the incentives are lined up as, as far as I'm concerned, as well as they possibly can be in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. So we always say our client success is our success, which is literally true because of who we are as an agency, we're independent. We are in the grand scheme of things. You know, if, if you compare it to large public holding company agencies, relatively speaking, on the smaller side, mm -hmm. uh, so we don't we don't own our own inventory. We're not selling our own stuff. We have a very objective, independent yeah. mindset and opinion. Our only goal is to make our clients successful because that's how we are successful, and that trickles down not just from a small group of owners or leaders but to every employee in the company. And so we can say to a client, like the people that you're working with are incentivized directly to make this work for you in a way that, that it's almost always at least indirectly incentivized in that direction, or yeah. certainly you would like to think. But in this case, it is as direct of an incentive as possible. And um, clients respond to that. And the the length of relationships we have with clients and the success that we've had and growth that we've had really is a good proof point. Yeah, that's that's so interesting for people to think about when they're making their their supplier selections too. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to be you think about it, leaders, and I'm not saying one is better than the other; they're just different. If someone is publicly traded versus private equity versus employee yep. owned, the people ultimately calling the shots are going to be a little different. Yeah, uh, based on their focus. So it's something to think about. Now, yeah, I mean, we say that we're we're the right. We're listen. We're no one's the right fit for everyone, and that certainly is true of us in terms of people and in terms of clients. You know, we think we have a lot of mm -hmm. things figured out really well. Do really good work. Provide a really good environment for our people. 
Um, but what we talk about is that for clients who are seeking a collaborative, transparent business partnership, we're the right choice for them. And I mean, that sounds like, well, who wouldn't say that, of course. But a lot of agencies and media buying is more on the transactional side. Like I might come to you because you're a gigantic global agency and you have buying power that can get me a cheaper price on this specific thing. That's not our value proposition. Not yeah. that we can't find cost efficiencies for clients, but our value proposition is we can work with you in a highly collaborative, fully transparent, like radically transparent way to achieve something together. And right. so that that automatically kind of self-selects out some clients, some potentially some employees, um, but we're we're feeling really good about the spot that it's carved out for us. So moving into a little bit of a, of a different category here, Scott, of question. You're known for speaking out about digital transformation and what it means to leadership mm -hmm. for leadership. What are your thoughts there? I think to be a leader today, you have to be leaned into digital transformation because it's where the expectations are of all of your stakeholders that you're going to be somewhere on a path to a future that looks a lot different than the experience that we're that we're seeing today. And I think um, there is naturally some fear and hesitation about moving into digital ways of doing things. We've we've seen in our business the shift from offline media to online media. That's a that's a good kind of easy to understand example of mm -hmm. digital transformation. But everything else about our business is is on is on that path to digital transformation too. How we do expense reports, how we talk to one another, how we communicate, how we create an experience for our employees and our clients. And you know, we want to we want to provide a best in class work environment for all of our people. I think as leaders, that's that's the challenge that we've taken on. That's mm -hmm. what we hold in front of us. And I think to do that today in this world of hybrid and remote work, you have to have an environment that's leaned in to digital transformation. And furthermore, our clients, more and more, the work that they're asking us to do is, although we are a, a marketing agency and seen as a paid media provider, it's more and more projects and campaigns and programs and relationships that are focused on aspects of digital transformation. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts that have Netflix accounts and one third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. So what is a leader's action in that world where this is going inside your organization and outside? I think the leader's role is to have the vision for where we want to go and to be able to clearly articulate that vision to everyone in their care within the organization, but really to the broader organization. I think it's so important for everyone to understand where you're going as a team, mm -hmm. as, 
as an organization. And, you know, that's one of the things that we focus on when we do things like employee engagement surveys. Do you understand where we're going as an agency? And today, as I said, where we're going is on a continued and ever accelerating path of digital transformation. And this is how we're getting there. So I think that is really probably the, the most important thing a leader can do is to clearly articulate that vision and help to bring people along. Yes. What advice would you give your younger self in, or hmm. think about it from the standpoint of what's something you would have tried differently? Yeah. I mean, other than fashion advice, which I would definitely have given my younger oh, yeah. self. Are there some circulating <laughs> 80s pictures? Uh, there's definitely. Early 90s? Well, I've, I've done my best to make sure they're not circulating well, anymore. What was your favorite clothing item that you're like, you know what? That was a bad idea. Boy, that's a tough one to pick. I would say I was really into plaid and flannel for a long time. <laughs> like Nirvana? Flannel was wow, big like, in or flannel, flannel was or? big in the 90s, as you might remember. Wait, what was it? Flannel. Flannel, was, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like grunge. Kind of, kind of the grunge scene. Exactly. Yes. But I, you know, if I had to go back and and talk to my to my younger self, I think one of the main things I would say is like there's like no one around you has all of this figured out. <laughs> like there you first of all, you you know more than you think and you belong in the conversations where you are. I think mm-hmm. that was uh, you know, the everyone goes through the imposter syndrome at some point in their career. And I I definitely had that earlier in my career. I I tend to be a little bit more of a reserved, introverted person, which goes to the story about speaking up, but that's the biggest advice I would give is like, there's, there's not anything that you should be afraid of trying to do. There's nothing that you can't figure out. And probably the people who are, you are looking at that are doing well in their careers or later in their careers are still trying to figure a bunch of that stuff out too. So Mm -hmm. be courageous in those conversations there, you have something to add and you shouldn't be afraid. What's the one trait you wish you could instill on every employee and why do you think it's important? That's a tough one because I can think of so many. But I think one of the big things in terms of if I had to pick one that would be the most impactful, it would be to actively seek feedback from Mm -hmm. others and to do that in a very strategic way. So there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of content about how we give feedback, how we receive feedback. But I think it's so important to actively seek feedback. Mm. Most conversations that are happening, especially early in your career, most conversations that are happening about you don't involve you. Most conversations that impact your career, decisions that are being made that have an impact on your career are ones that you will never hear unless you actively seek them out. So finding ways to go to people who you respect, who have influence in your organization and getting feedback. And it can't just be like, hey, can you give me some feedback? <laughs> it has to be specific. It has to give that person an opportunity to reflect on something that they've observed that has happened. So particularly if you're like, this part this part of my career is not going well. And at least it's not going the way that I hoped it would. So instead of and I think the reflex to that, and this is what I certainly did earlier in my career, is to go and say, you know, hey, 
I want to do this or I want to make this better and and kind of demanding something to happen, go and say, why why is this going the way that it is? What are you mm-hmm. observing about the way that I'm working that is holding me back? And what could I do? That gives a person that you're seeking the feedback from the opportunity to play the role of mentor, to impart their wisdom. It makes them feel important, frankly, in the moment. But the value mm-hmm. to you as the person seeking and then receiving the feedback is so much greater than anything that yeah. that that anyone else is getting out of the interaction. That's um, a power move for the leaders. That is that's a total power move. People say it's a power move to give feedback. No, it's not. It's a power <laughs> move to ask for it because yes. no one's doing it. And yep. It shows that you are open, you're vulnerable, and you're interested in their opinion. Yes, exactly. And I love the way you couch that as be ask about a specific situation. If you just say, hey, just give me some feedback. I'm just looking for feedback on how to do my job. That puts them in an incredibly awkward position. Right. But if you ask for feedback on how a meeting went, on how you led a meeting, yep. on how you did you know, a specific thing, it allows them to not make it about how you are in your role, but maybe about a specific item. And you might work up over time on getting feedback from bigger picture stuff. Exactly. But, but start specific, start small. Yeah, such valuable insight. And the world would be a lot different, wouldn't it? If people went about actively seeking it feedback. Would. It would. And, you know, there's just, there's no way to know how you're being perceived by others in the organization, but besides hearing it from them. I mean, and that, not to get philosophical, but there's no way, there's no way to step out of your own ability to perceive and so the closest that you can get to that is to hear it from someone else's perspective. And like you said, you've, I mean, you said it exactly. The more, the more specific you can be. So if it's a, like, hey, I just gave this presentation. I didn't feel great about X, Y, and Z part of it. Can you tell me what you thought and what you think would have made it better? Like that is, those conversations are pure gold. It'll get you promoted. Watch out. That's right. Yeah, world will be a lot of different place. Uh, great advice there, and yeah, a total power move. So, when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career, and how to lead your success or growth on down the road, Scott? You know, I think the the thing that I it's so hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, and it's so easy to look back on this um, in the moment. It didn't feel it didn't feel like an opportunity, and I think and we, I see this with um, with people in their earlier in their careers all the time. Like mm-hmm. you get in your mind that you want to be successful, you want to move forward, you want to get promoted, but you really are only looking at that in a kind of myopic way. Like I'm doing this thing today. Mm-hmm. I want to get promoted and get recognition and you know ultimately more money in the organization and move up. I've got to go from here to here. Mm-hmm. And this also came when I was on the account side in uh, in the agency world, which people who work with me today kind of get a chuckle about because it's just clearly not the right <laughs> role for me in, in the work that we're doing. Um, but I was an account director. I was working on a lot of um, large accounts. It was a tough job. Probably the, in some ways, and this is probably 
due to the fact that I wasn't particularly well suited to it, but the toughest job that I've, that I've Mm -hmm. ever had. Mm -hmm. So I got a new boss at a certain point and, you know, after he had been there a little while and observed some things, you know, he essentially came to me and just said, Hey, I think you're in the wrong role. I think instead of account, you should be doing strategy. And that was very difficult for me in the moment because I felt like, this person is coming in and telling me I'm not doing my job well. I'm not doing my job right. Like, I'm, do you know how hard I'm working? <laughs> do you know um, who I'm I think I am? killing myself here. And what? <laughs> um, so that was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did view it at the time, although it was never presented that way to me. I definitely internalized it at the mm-hmm. time as a failure. Like, I have not lived up to expectations here. I didn't do the things that I needed to do to be seen as successful in this role. And so they're putting me over here. I got into that strategy role and flourished. I mean, my career Mm -hmm. took off from there. It was clearly the right move. It was the, it was 100% what I should be doing. I remember going into a meeting with a large client at the time. It was actually a, a division of GE that we were working with. So a big, a big client, big client meeting. And it was with another agency partner that also worked with GE at the time. And I don't mind saying now it's, you know, whatever dozen years or so later, like I, I, I absolutely knocked it out of the park in this meeting because <laughs> I just felt so free uh. Oh. I felt like I was doing what I was meant to be doing, like strategy, digital strategy in particular is just such a passion of mine that I was able to command that meeting in a way I would have never been able to had I been sitting in the same meeting in a different role. And that was a gift that someone gave to me in my career that I would have never probably gotten outside of that track on my own. So the one thing that I learned from that is that like the what you're going to do next doesn't have to be determined by just some linear view of what your career progression should look like. There's a million different ways that that could go and be open to what that might look like for you. What a story. And I love the, I love the part where you just hit your stride and you discover it in the meeting. Maybe you're like, man, I'm kind of forced into this strategy role or because I didn't do well at this other one. And then it's just like, boom, you're like, oh, this is yeah. it. I, I can do this. Like, this does not feel like work. Did you have that moment? Absolutely. I mean, like it was work? so, it was so freeing. And, mm-hmm. and that's what, you know, the, when you get into that mode where you feel like, oh, wow, this is, this is getting really getting close to or at what I, sh- what I meant to do. And that was one of the first times in my career I had ever felt that. And what, and the main thing I would say that it, that it felt to me was a freedom. I just felt unshackled from a lot of the things that were bothering me about the work that I was doing before. So Braveheart. <laughs> freedom. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. And you yeah. were at work. I was I like, was working. They paid me. <laughs> this is what it can be like. I think it's important that we that we note these moments because these stories, because a lot of people think, well, work's supposed to be exhausting and a grind and not very inspiring. Yeah. And they stay in the account manager. Like they will fight to stay in the account manager role and try to get better and try to do it because like I'm supposed to grind, y'all. 
That's right. And you I've got to figure it out. And certainly I can't move. Out. I can't move into another role until I do. Right. I couldn't move to another group because that would be admitting some kind of defeat. <laughs> like I'm not. Yeah. And by accepting that, and it sounds like it was painful, but by accepting it, it led to something really special. And uh, just a reminder to everybody who forgot the intro, he's the chief strategy officer now. So it wasn't like he just moved over in a role and stayed there. He kept accelerating. Yeah. I mean, it was the best, one of the best things that's happened for my career. And, you know, like I said, in the moment, it felt like a failure. It felt like I was being called out for something, but you know, the other, the other lesson there is if someone more senior in your organization is coming to you and talking to you in those terms about your career and saying to you, I think that you will be better in this role, that it's better for you, even if in the moment that feels like not a 100% positive thing to you, try to do your best to recognize that you're still, someone is giving you a gift because they are taking an interest in your career and your career progression. And you don't always get that. I can tell you that. Well, there's a theme here. Because we hit hard on actively seeking feedback. Yes. You weren't actively seeking that. I was not. But you got it and you were open to it. Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, (laughs) after they drug you into it. All right. So starting to wrap this up, a question we like to sometimes end with, what books, podcasts, or music do you recommend for someone who's already in the C-suite or on a mission to get there? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, as I as I mentioned to you before we started, Ben, big reader, big podcast fan. I think in terms of becoming a better leader, there's a there's a strong correlation between how you're able to lead in an organization, like how you're maturing in your your leadership journey and how you're kind of maturing as a human being and as a person. And so those two things. I think are hard to separate, not that not that you should have any real desire to separate them. But because of that, I, I feel like things that make me feel better about my life overall make me a better leader. And so I I like ones that are are very well known that that all a lot of your listeners will know. So I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. I love I love Start with Why. I love that concept. I use that construct yes. all the time and pay him no royalties, although I did buy his book. Um, Have you you enjoyed any of the other ones from Simon Sinek? Yeah, Leaders Eat Last is also a great one. So yes, I mean, I I think I've read all of his books and really appreciate, you know, watching his stuff too, because he does such a nice job of articulating what what the points that he's trying to get across. I think that's his his gift from our standpoint. He's just an excellent communicator. He simplifies it in a way that cannot just can be digested and understood, but in a way that other people can share the idea. Yes. And we and I talk with leaders about that. I'm like, great if you're a good communicator, mm-hmm. but are you so good that your messaging can spread? And we and we focus on it on these podcasts, distilling it as, as you have, but is it so good and so distilled? That one of your teammates could go share it with their people effectively. And Simon, yes, he has enough. I mean, that's how I mean, that's how he really came into prominence was his TED talk about 
start with Y and the golden circle. I mean, it's literally I love that three, three circles. And, oh, and like I said, I use that myself. You know, it's so time. funny that Ted talk, one of the most watched Ted talks of all time. If, if anybody listening or watching hasn't seen it in a while, go watch it and look at how poor the production quality is. Yes. It wasn't even on the TED stage, right? It was a TEDx. Yeah, it was. And his microphone slide. goes out in the middle of it, and you can't hear him. Yeah. And it's grainy. It is one of the worst produced podcasts. <laughs> but it, it goes to show that if your message is clear, you can you can have bad audio, bad production, you can get a lot of messed up stuff, but it gets through. The message gets through. Yes. But I mean, if an idea is that good, the idea is going to win. Ultimately, it might take some time. And I mean, ideally, you'd have good production plus a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Even Simon looks a little disheveled. Like now yeah. he's a little more you know, cleaned up and is for sure. He's just kind of looking like he looks like someone literally tapped him on a sh- on the shoulder. It's like, hey, why don't you come talk about that? Why idea real quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's come a long way since then. So enjoy all of his stuff. He has a podcast. The His Positivity podcast is one that I really enjoy too. Or A Bit of Optimism is the name of it. I like Adam Grant a lot, his work-life stuff. I think he's got a really unique voice um, in this space too. But then really more on the, I guess, bordering into the personal side, although it has a lot of application, is Brene Brown and the oh, work she's done. Dare to Lead is fantastic i've done you know book clubs with that with folks here at work it's i think really mm-hmm. really really um incisive stuff and it gets to real conversations very quickly which i think is well you so seem to important. be an idea focused guy because Brene brown simon Sinek, adam grant and yourself right you like a good good distilled I idea I love a good idea. It's that's one of my favorite things for sure. Um, but like I said, the the thing that I I find most and and Butler Till, you know, for example, like has has made me a better leader. The culture here has made me a better leader. One of the reasons I joined is when I talked to all of the people here who would be my peers on the leadership team. Um, that's the sense that I got. Like this place is going to make me better, better professionally. But also, I, I say all the time, you know, it's made me a better person working mm-hmm. here. And that's something that was a, a new concept for me, and something that I'm extremely grateful for is working with people who make me better, not just professionally, but really in all aspects of my life. Well, may we all have teams and coworkers and peers. That put us there. Amen to that. I love that. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you having me. This, you know, these things give me an opportunity to reflect a little bit and think, and that's a gift. So I I do very much appreciate it. Let's do some more, my friend. Great. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. 
That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.